Great. So be sure to say hi to one of those, especially if you didn't know someone, and greet them when you get a chance. Um, thankful for them. And we want you to know that speaking of, of membership, that we do have a membership lunch coming up in two weeks from today, I believe, November 7th. And uh, after the worship gathering on the 7th, we'll go over to the community center, we'll provide lunch, child care uh, can also be provided if you let us know you're coming. And uh, membership lunch is just a good opportunity to learn a little bit about what I've been talking about. What is membership? What is this two-way commitment? What is God asking me to become an official member of this church? And, uh, and, the, and the lunch is no obligation. You don't have to sign on the dotted line at the end of the lunch. It's just a great place to learn a little bit about our church, who we are, what we're all about, how we make decisions, uh, what's important to us, and, and a little bit, like I said, more about membership. And then... We ask you to think and, and process that and follow God on whether you want to continue forward then in the process of becoming an official member. So that's uh, two weeks from today on the 7th. Uh, for more information about it or how to sign up, uh, check your email. Uh, the weekly update comes on Thursdays or Fridays. You should, there's information there as well as if you go to our website or the Church Center app and click on News Updates. You can look for our weekly update, and there's information about the membership lunch, and there's a way to click a link and sign up there. So we'd love to hear from you. love to see you sign up to join us then. And then lastly, just before we get into God's Word, I want to let you know about Trick and Treat downtown. We as a church family want to join in, what, in our community and be a blessing to our community. And so the community is putting on this trick and treat downtown. And we are going to, the Faith Church is going to represent there. We're going to show up. We're going to be smiling. We're going to be serving. We're going to be giving away free treats. And so we'd love for you to plan to come and join and have some fun and some goodies. But also, we have lots of opportunities for you to help out and serve for a period of time uh, in the afternoon on Saturday. If you're able to do that, that'd be great. And again, the same thing. You can go to our website, the Church Center app, click on News and Updates, and uh, look for information about Trick and Treat. And that will include a link there where you can sign up to help us out, um, to sign up to uh, just be a blessing in our community. So there you go. Those are some things we wanted you to know about. Sound good? All right. All right, that was a lot to do, a lot of fun stuff to cover. I don't normally do a bunch of that and then go straight into our time in God's Word, so catching my breath here for a moment. Uh, well, church family, once we know Jesus, once we are forgiven of our sin, we never sin again. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarcasm. Right? Once we're, I mean, church family, once we're saved, once we've been made right with God, everything in life is all better, right? Things are smooth. It's a bed of roses. Nothing ever goes wrong. In, in life's ups and downs, and in my facetiousness there, because becoming a follower of Jesus does not then equal a pain-free life or a smooth road or everything to go the way we would prefer, but in life's ups and downs, is it ever hard for you to keep going? Do you ever ask, where's Jesus? 
Where is Jesus in the midst of this? Where is, where is he when I need him? Just me? I know it's not just me. But there are times when I may feel that way, when I may talk to the Lord about that pain. Where are you? What's this all about? We know, um, we know about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, at least, at least many of us do, many of us that have been coming to church for a period of time in our life, many of us that have read in the story of Jesus' life, we may know about his life, his ministry, some of the things he did and said while he was walking the earth as a man, a God-man. We know about his death, his resurrection, but we also know from the scriptures that then he left. And, and it maybe feels like that to us sometimes. Life is tough at times. What keeps you going? What do you know? Who do you know that keeps you going? Instead of um, frantic efforts, I, I don't know if this describes your life, but I think it can describe my life at times. Instead of frantic efforts to just get through, to just survive, instead of frantic efforts to, to be okay, instead of frantic efforts to fix other people, Instead of frantic efforts to solve the world's problems, I know that so often what I need, uh, and thankful to God that he reminds me frequently, although I then need it again and he needs to remind me again. Anybody relate to that? I know that I need to be reminded so often. I need to be called back to the basics. I need to go back to what is center of my life. Psalm 46.10 on the screen says, Be still. And know that I am God. The, the, some of us on staff, some of us uh, on the ministry team were able to go to a conference in San Diego this week for church leaders. And uh, one of the speakers pointed us to Psalm 73. Here's one verse on the screen. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. That, that, I, I can't go into Psalm 20, 73 right now, but that comes on the heels of some difficulty and struggle and pain. And that's where the psalmist ends. And that's where we need to get back to so often, right? I was so thankful for this conference this past week. Um, I think each of us um, enjoyed it, felt refreshed. It was, I think it was much needed for myself and Ed and Debbie and Matt and Jake I think it was much needed in many ways. Uh, first of all, it just it gave us a, a period of a couple of days to be together and to en enjoy our friendship and enjoy eating together and laughing together and taking in the sights together. That was much needed. And then certainly the conference was also an opportunity for spiritual encouragement and refreshment um, for all of us have been through it in the past 18 months, right? All of us are trying to make sense of the swirling circumstances around us in the last 18 months, right? Well, that includes church leaders. And I can't tell you how good it was to be with seven or eight or 900 church leaders and just to remember that we're not alone in what we've been working through as a church family, 
as, as, a, as believers, trying to navigate the difficulties of a pandemic and, and all the difficult conversations that come with. It was such an encouragement to remember that we're not alone. And, and in the, the last line of that psalm, to, remind, to be reminded of our focus, certainly as church leaders, but really all believers, of our focus to be near God, to be with God, and, and to tell of what he's done. I love that last line. To tell of his works, to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, all that Jesus has done. Uh, you, you may be familiar, many of you may be familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But I bring it up because one of the conference speakers um, actually pointed us to the verses following. Sometimes with those very familiar verses in the Bible, we know that verse and we don't always remember the context or what follows or, what's, or what precedes. In this case, here's the couple verses right after Jeremiah 29, 11, verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I, I just, that's such a, a good, the promise is there. The promise that if we seek, you will find. If you are in need, if you're not sure how you're going to get through, if you want to do more than survive, if you're not sure what's going to keep you going, God says, you will seek me and find me. And so that's what we want to do in this series of messages. This, these few Sundays uh, in the past and coming up, we're in a series of messages called The Heart of Christ because we want to seek God and we want to look to God's word. We're going to look to a passage of scripture every Sunday and we're going to ask God to show us what does this show us? What does this tell us about who Jesus is at the core? What is the heart of Christ? What is his posture toward us, his approach toward us? And so we want to do that this morning uh, in Hebrews chapter 7. Grab your Bibles. If you're not already opened your Bible, get your Bible out. Get your app on your phone. Open to your Bible app and, and find Hebrews chapter 7, if you would. And in a moment, we'll read some verses together from Hebrews chapter 7, starting at verse 23. Before we do, let me just set this up again a little bit. We'll be in Hebrews 7, starting at verses 23 in just a minute. When we think of, and, and I've already alluded to this a little bit again already, but I want to get you thinking. When we think of Jesus' work, when we think of his role, when we think of his activity, what do we think of? I, I, I'm going to suggest, I think we think of the cross, I think when, we, when I say, what do we think of when we think of Jesus' work, his role, what is, what is his activity? I think we think mostly past, 2,000 years ago, to his life, death, and resurrection. And that's absolutely true. And that glorious news is, is centered to the gospel good news, that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and in doing so, makes it possible for you and I to be connected with God, to be forgiven of sin, to have new life now. And forever, it's, it's key that we know that aspect of Jesus. But here's where I want us to just get thinking. Was it that back then, at the cross, 
he had a heart to save, and now, not really? Was it that he cared so much about us that he lived and died and rose again, and that was kind of it for him? He was kind of over us after that. Is it that he was with us then in his earthly journey and and no longer with us? Hebrews 13.8 on the screen reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the heart that we know of Jesus, if if the cross demonstrated Jesus' heart for us, his love for us, his willingness to die, though he was without sin, that he loved us so much that he died so that we might live, if that demonstrated his heart, is that somehow now gone? No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His heart continues for us. His love continues for us. His role continues. His activity, his work on our behalf continues. And that's what we're going to think a little bit more about today. Hebrews 7, starting at verse 23. The former priests, referring to God's people, the the Israelites in the Old Testament, had, had priests. We'll talk about that in a minute. The former priests were many in number, but because they... Uh, Sorry, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And just for now, I'm going to skip to verse 26 and we'll go back to 25. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest as Jesus, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He, Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once, his sacrifice, Jesus' death on the cross, he did this once for all when he offered up himself. See, the book of Hebrews, the beginning of the book of Hebrews teaches us that Jesus is best that he's the ultimate, that he's superior. There was a, a, a great way of God interacting with his people that we read about in the Old Testament. And then all that God promised his people was fulfilled in Jesus. And so Hebrews is making the case that Jesus is better. Better than the angels. Better than the Old Testament law. Better than Moses. Superior to these Old Testament priests. See, in the, in the Old Testament, God's people had priests humans that, that, were, that were mediators between God and people. These Old Testament priests uh, represented God to the people and represented the people to God by taking sacrifices on their behalf. But Hebrews then has this, in, our, in the verses we just read even, has this demonstrate this contrast between these Old Testament priests, these human priests that were needed to act on our behalf to go between us and God, there's this great contrast in the verses we just read between those human priests and the ultimate high priest, Jesus. Here's some of the contrasts. First, you saw in our passage that that the human Old Testament priests were many in number. How many is there of Jesus? One. The Old Testament priests were, were limited because they they died and couldn't continue in office, but Jesus is permanent. And 1 Timothy 2.5 reminds us that there is one 
mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Another contrast here is that the Old Testament priests, their ministry was, was temporary. They were prevented by death from continuing. Jesus, because he is eternal, his ministry is eternal. His priesthood is permanent. There's another contrast in the verses we just read, that, that uh, these, these priests in the Old Testament would have to offer God's sacrifices for their own sin and offer sacrifices to God for the sin of God's people. But of course, Jesus, the passage tells us, holy innocent, unstained. Jesus, the life of Jesus, sinless perfection. He had no need to sacrifice to God for his own sins. He only, because of his sinless perfection, was willing to sacrifice for you and I. And the other contrast we see in those verses is that the Old Testament priests had to sacrifice animals They offered up animals so that there would be a death, so that there would be blood shed to make things right between God's people and God. But Jesus, in the passage, we're reminded in verse 27 that Jesus offered up himself once for all. The ultimate. Jesus is best. Jesus is ultimate because he gave his life on the cross as the ultimate once for all sacrifice for our sins. So that's the... A little bit of our helps us understand then the role that Jesus has as high priest. And so now let's look back at 25, verse 25 that we skipped over a moment ago. Consequently, because of these things, because Jesus' priesthood is permanent, because he continues forever, because he is the Son of God, because he is the ultimate high priest, verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, here's the thing we want to think about a little bit this morning, that sometimes if we think of Jesus' role, his work, his activity, as only past tense, as only what he did before, only what 2,000 years ago he lived and died and rose again, if we think only of Jesus' work and role and activity as being past tense, then we're missing out on on the present activity, the present role of Jesus, his continuing work for us and in us, His intercession, the intercession of Christ, him going to God the Father on our behalf, him continuing, not just past tense, but present tense, acting on our behalf, this interceding for us, going to the Father, pleading and prevailing upon the Father for our sake. And doesn't that show the heart of Jesus? Yes, the cross demonstrates that God loves us, But where is Jesus? Sometimes we wonder, and and sometimes we don't know, and sometimes we struggle with what's going around us, and we may think, man, where is Jesus when I need him? He is pleading on your behalf to our great God. His love, the heart of Jesus that's demonstrated on the cross, is absolutely continuing today. His current work, his current role, his current activity includes interceding on our behalf. Because the cross accomplished our justification. The cross reconciled us to God. You are saved. 
You are in relationship with a holy and perfect God. Your sins are forgiven. You've been made right. You have been saved because of Jesus' work on the cross. And now he continues to go before the Father to sort of apply that justification, that atonement, that rescue you've already received. Jesus intercedes, goes to the Father to sort of keep applying that to you. Why do you need that to keep applying to you? Why does Jesus need to keep interceding and keep applying the glory work of the cross to my heart because I need it over and over because I stray because I forget because I fall into sin because I worry because I wonder where he is and so Jesus intercedes so that the beautiful work of the cross will not just be past tense truth in my life but so that it's present tense applied to me in my need, and in my sin. And for you, Jesus not only provided our justification, made us right with God, the heart of Christ is is expressed in a continuous way in this ongoing intercession. Jesus' heart, his desire, who he is at the core, includes pouring out his heart to the Father's heart so that the Father's heart will be connected to our hearts. The heart of Christ is to continue to connect us with God, is to continue to meld meld and mesh the Father's heart with our hearts. We see this idea of intercession elsewhere in Scripture. I'll just read to you from Romans 8, verses 31 and following. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm reading the verses prior to the ones on the screen, and we'll get there. Let me start again at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's people? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. And he is now, currently, presently, at the right hand of God. And who Jesus is indeed interceding for us. So we think back, and then one more detail, we want to think back to our Hebrews passage in in Hebrews 7. What is the point of the phrase, to the uttermost? That Jesus, let me, let's, flip, let's look back there. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. What's the point of that phrase, to the uttermost? Uh, you may also, you may already kind of sense it in your gut, the need for yourself to be saved to the uttermost. But I love how Dane Ortland puts it in his book, Gentle and Lowly. Look on the screen. We are to the uttermost sinners who need a to the uttermost Savior. Verse 25, Hebrews 7:25 tells us Jesus will save us to the uttermost. I think, I think we look at that quote on the screen and we, do we, first of all, do we recognize the first part? Do we grapple with the Lord 
Do we go to him and confess our sins and repent of our sins and recognize that, that, um, that we have need? And then when we recognize that need, we're so thankful and blessed and encouraged to see the second part, that we have an, a to-the-uttermost Savior. Amen? Yeah. So, um, as we've been mentioning in recent weeks, that quote was from the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and, and if you've been missing it, uh, we have a free copy for you. Many of you have already, we've already given away 100 copies. There's more on a table in the lobby. If you're watching online, you're welcome to swing by the church and outside the doors under the carport. You can also pick up a copy. We'd love to be a blessing to you with giving away these copies of Dane's book, Gentle and Lowly, um, because we received the blessing of four boxes full of free books, and we're sharing those with you. And, uh, and, and what we're talking about this morning with Jesus being a savior to the uttermost, with, with uh, this aspect of, of Jesus' heart to continue interceding on our behalf, you, you're going to get even more than we can have time for this morning. You're going to get even more if you want to follow along in that book. Chapters encourage you to read chapters 8 and 9 this coming week. And uh, each Sunday we're posting on our website. You can go to our website or the Church Center app. Click on news and updates, and each Sunday you'll see a new post that says um, Heart of Christ Week 4 Resources, and there's some things there that you might want to check out that will encourage you on these topics, the, the chapters that you can read, some questions that you could go over with God in your time with him this week or discuss with a friend, uh, so we encourage you to check those out. Let me read one more thing from, from Dane's book. One way to think of Christ's intercession, then, if we don't have this picture, if we're not sure what, what, what Jesus is up to, what's his, what his present ministry of intercession looks like, he writes this. One way to think of Christ's intercession, then, is simply this, that Jesus is praying for you right now. And then Ortland gives a quote from Louis Burkhoff. It is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us even when we are negligent in our prayer life. It is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us even when we are negligent in our prayer life. Does that speak to Jesus' heart for us? Our, Ortland continues. Ortland writes, Our prayer life stinks most of the time. Uh, amen. Our prayer life stinks most of the time. But what if you heard, imagine this, put yourself in these shoes. What if you heard Jesus praying aloud for you in the next room? Portland writes, our prayer life stinks most of the time. But what if you heard Jesus praying aloud for you in the next room? Few things would calm us more deeply. Few things would give us such hope and help us to get through and help us to keep going as hearing Jesus interceding on our behalf. Revelation 1.8 says, Jesus in, in, at the, uh, Jesus in Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
Jesus was, yes, we think of past tense. We think of what he, that he walked the earth in a human form, that he lived, died, and rose again. Jesus was. He has et- existed eternally. He is eternally existent. He has existed for all time. He definitely was. And we think of that past tense ministry. But Jesus said in saying, was, is, and is to come. There is a was aspect to his activity and ministry, and there is absolutely an is, a present tense, a current ministry of Jesus, a work of Jesus seated at the right hand of God. He may not be physically present with us. He may not walk the earth with us now, but he is seated at the right hand of God where he is reigning and interceding for you and I. And then his statement on the screen reminds us that there is an there is a is to come. Jesus was, he is, and Jesus will return and set all things right and make all things new. So life is tough. How do you keep going? What keeps you going? Who gets you there? Remember Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. We may think sometimes we might look at our circumstances and we might go, man, where is Jesus when I need him? Church family, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. And when you need Jesus, the word tells us that you will seek God and God will have you find him. Psalm 139, these might be familiar words, Psalm 139 Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Are we gutsy enough to pray this prayer occasionally and hopefully regularly? God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Church family, seek Jesus. Lean in. Trust him. Give all of life over to his goodness for you. Submit all that you are, all the areas of your life, the ones that you want to keep control of, the ones that are easy to let go, the ones that are not easy to let go. Give all of yourself and all of your life and all of your struggles to Jesus. Lean in. Trust him. Open your heart and allow him in to search you. And know you. And reveal to you if there is any offensive way in you. So that, why? Why do we open ourselves to that? Why do we ask God to reveal those things? So that he can point a finger at you and condemn you? No, because the default posture, the heart of Christ, is not a pointed finger. It's open arms. It's we seek him to know him. We invite him to search us. We, we learn the root of our issues and sins and failures and poor attitudes when the Spirit reveals to us what's going on, this offensive way in me, so that we have an opportunity to confess it to God, to repent of that sin, to turn away from it and turn to God, receiving his grace, gift of salvation, receiving his grace and forgiveness and love. Not sending us, casting us out because of our sin, but drawing near to us as a to the uttermost Savior. 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Father God, thank you for this reminder from your word this morning. We thank you for your word, the gift that we have of of the Bible, God's word in front of us to go to daily, to look for you in when we forget where you are and what you're doing and how you're with us. God, may we open your word. So thank you, God, for your reminder to us this morning from your word that your son came to pursue us, to live a life without sin, to die a death that we deserve, to be raised again to new life so that we can have life. But thank you, God, for the reminder that this morning that that was not the end of Jesus' ministry. Thank you, God, that his heart for us continues not only demonstrated on the cross in the past, but thank you, God, that the heart of your Son continues for us in showing us his love for us, in in going to you on our behalf, in praying for us. God, I do pray that, that we would imagine Jesus in the next room praying aloud for us and that that would be deeply comforting to our hearts and minds. And now I want to just give a minute or two of silence and invite you to seek God, to go to him, to ask him to search your heart, to ask him what he has for you this morning. Father in heaven, thank you that you are not a distant God, but a heavenly Father who comes near to us, a heavenly Father who hears our prayers. God, thank you that you are a God who invites us to come to you in prayer, to seek you, to ask of you, to confess to you. And God, this morning we marvel in thankfulness that we do not even come alone in prayer that you are with us even in that, that that your son comes alongside of us in prayer for us so that the glorious good news of what you have done is continually applied to our hearts and lives so that we benefit from the cross not not only once for all for our justification but, but daily as Jesus intercedes for us. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the heart of Christ. We want to worship you now with the rest of our time together. We want to lift our voices in song. We want to say our prayers. We want to study your word. We want to 
give our offerings all out of thankfulness for what you have done. So God, as we take a moment here to worship in multiple ways, but as we take a moment here to worship through our giving, would we do it out of thankfulness? Would we do it as the New Testament invites us to give generously and sacrificially and cheerfully, not out of compulsion, but out of joyfully giving back to you what you have blessed us with? And God, we thank you for your generosity to this church family through the generosity of your people. We thank you for the continued ability to serve Dallas and Oregon and the world for your glory through this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.